a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 3, Episode 1, Video Ouija. So, uh, where's Video Ouija? I'm done with that, John. I talked to that girl about his sister's boat for like three hours. Boring. Boring. A little sassiness from Meatwad here. Video Ouija premiering April 25th, 2004. So we are about four months ahead of where we last discussed. We had the last one premiering December 31st, 2003. So we'll get into that. But but back to Video Ouija. I've always loved this episode. And because of that, I always wanted the Volume 4 DVD growing up. But I never got it until, you know, many years later when I started doing this podcast. But I definitely had seen this one on television, I assume multiple times, because it has always stuck with me as one of my favorite episodes. But of course, today is the day to see, does it really hold up? Is it as good as I remember? I guess we'll find out. Some of the other things we'll be getting into today is talking about which Aqua Teen crew member inspired BillyWitchDoctor.com, the origin of the Sofa King joke, which Aqua Teen crew member, and it's a big crew member, leaves after this episode, I found a really cool Moon Knight reference in this one that I'm excited to share with you. And also, we get into the real-life Insult Master game that was made after this one premiered, but is no longer available. It is now lost media. Not much can be found about it online anymore. But luckily, I did play this back in the day, so I'll tell you all about it. But before we get into that good stuff, of course, we got a bunch of other stuff to talk about. First up, our Aqua Teen news. This week, got some exciting news for you. A little birdie has been saying that Carrie Means has been recording for the upcoming five Aqua Teen Hunger Force episodes, I assume that they are going to be. Of course, in my interview with Matt Malero, he said they are making five new Aqua Teens. I assumed he meant films because we were talking about films at that time. But really, it's looking to be episodes, and yeah, it seems like recording has begun for that, so very exciting. Of course, I will be keeping you updated on any forthcoming Aqua Teen information, but so excited to see these. Uh, I, I don't know the specifics on these episodes. Are they full 11-minute episodes? I assume so, but uh, time will tell. And again, as I know anything, I'll be letting you know. So, on to podcast news. Just want to say, again, you know, thank you for a successful 2022 on the podcast. That was our first full year doing the podcast, and I think it went pretty good, right? We got uh, Dave Willis, Matt Malero, Jay Edwards, Nick Gibbons, MC Chris on the podcast within that year. Also, a little thing I wrote about the the uh, Plantasm film was put live on Adult Swim in a bump, so that's really cool. Just very successful. Again, thank you for listening, and hey, here's to an even better 2023. So that's really all the podcast news I got for you. Actually, no, I lied. If you didn't listen to the Season 2 retrospective, first of all, uh, you should. Uh, Second of all, I uploaded myself ranking the entire second season of Aqua Teen alongside the first season. So I already ranked Season 1, and then I ranked Season 2, like I mixed it in from there. So if you want to see that, check the link in the show notes to watch that YouTube video. It's a good time talking uh, concisely about the episodes. It's pretty fun. So uh, check that out if you have not. But yeah, that's really it. Let's jump in. Let's see what is going on. It's 2004 now. What is happening in 2004? 
I gotta find out. All right, it is the week of April 25th, 2004, and because of that, I want to talk about some of the honorable mention films that have come out and been, uh, you know, at the t- either at the top of the box office or just came out in this period that we won't get to fully discuss. So I want to shout out the Butterfly Effect came out with Ashton Kutcher, you know, you go back in time and you step on a butterfly and then it gives your dad diarrhea and he never meets your mom and you're never born. That kind of thing. The butterfly effect. I remember it was okay, but it probably sucks. Uh, We have You Got Served came out. I never saw that one, but of course I know the cultural impact of You Got Served, which is basically people having dance-offs or something. I don't know specifics, and I'd like to keep it that way. I think it's funnier that I don't actually know what this movie is about other than people getting in dancing uh, matches, which I think is actually exactly what it's about. Uh, Otherwise, we have 51st Dates came out with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. It still holds up. I watched it about six months ago on on a plane, and it was still fun. I, I, I don't mind it. I like Adam Sandler well enough. I thought it was okay. And then next up, we have Hellboy came out as well as The Passion of the Christ. So both of those were doing pretty well at the time, this this being like March, April 2004. And I actually saw Hellboy in the theaters. I remember going with my mom to see Hellboy, and The Passion of the Christ was out at the same time. I've never seen that film, but of course it's all about Jesus. But uh, yeah, I remember at the time I was there at the movie theater with my mom, and we're like, yeah, you know, my mom's like, you know, two for Hellboy and the people next to us, this older couple, like, oh, two for Passion of the Christ. <laughs> so <laughs> these very, very different films. But I remember liking Hellboy well enough. And it seems like they kept making them. But I, I only saw the first one. I only saw this initial one that came out in 2004 starring Ron Perlman. Uh, I don't remember much about it other than that the, uh, the makeup and the effects were good at the time. I don't know if they still are. But at the time they were, they're still making them, not interested in checking them out. But but that's it for films that came out up to this point. Some of the films, anyways, that uh, were pretty cool. Uh, let's see what exactly is coming out this week, the week of April 25th, 2004. We have Man on Fire bringing in 22 mil this week. This film starring Denzel Washington, Dakota Fanning, and Christopher Walken. It's basically your standard kidnapping plot, you know, little, little Dakota Fanning. She gets kidnapped. Denzel Washington's got to save her. You know how it goes. It's nothing surprising here. Looks like you can watch the film for free on Tubi. And I'm seeing it's got a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb. I'm not sure if I've seen this. It sounds kind of familiar, but also it sounds like every other kidnapping film. So it's kind of hard to, to go off that alone. And I know you're just dying to know, does Man on Fire, is there anybody in that film who later showed up in Aqua Teen Hunger Force? And the answer, unfortunately is no. So let's move on here to our music. And before we jump into our top album right now, I just want to mention Outkast really quickly. Of course, we talked about them a lot during season two of Aqua Teen because Speaker Box The Love Below came out. And I just got to let you know that in this period between January to April of 2004, Speaker Box the Love Below, it still was popping up as a best-selling album in the charts. Like, it still was taking the number one position. And alongside that, Hey Ya and The Way You Move would, would pop up as the top singles of the week. So this album did not lose steam while Aqua Teen was not putting out new episodes. So just remember the power of Outkast in, in 2003 and 2004, because they are still the kings right now. And also, on February 8th, the 46th Annual Grammy Awards were held at the Staples Center in L.A., and uh, Speaker Box, The Love Below, became the first rap album to win Album of the Year. So, 
hey, it's that Atlanta power. There's something in the drinking water. But all right, back to this week in our Aqua Teen timeline. Who is topping the charts? Which album is the top dog? Let's hear it. Peace up. Peace up. A-Town. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I gotta fade it out here because I will easily play this entire song. We have Usher with his album Confessions, and not only is this the top album of this week, but it was the top album of the past two weeks as well. Basically, this thing came out and took the world by storm. It came out on March 23rd, so about a month before. And the album sold 1.1 million copies in its first week, making Usher the first R&B artist to ever do that. Similar to Aqua Teen, Usher at this point was based in Atlanta, and this is actually his fourth album. So his first album came out in 1994, so uh, 10 years of releasing music, he's on his fourth album here. And this is the one, this is the one that blew up, it's still his highest rated to this day. And obviously, because of this album, he probably never has to work another day in his life. And of course, with an album that does this well, you can expect we will be seeing it on this podcast for quite some time. And an example of that is our top track of the week. Our number one single of the week is also Usher. It's the song Yeah that I just played off of this album, Confessions. But of course, Yeah is just one of those just seminal songs. You could play it anywhere. It's, I think it's going to go off well. I think Yeah is probably like if, if you tally up which songs I've danced to throughout my life, I think Yeah is easily in the top three. And also, I really appreciate Usher, Ludacris, Lil Jon. I appreciate them making a song like this. So, you know, if somebody asks, like, hey, do you like Aqua Teen Hunger Force? You don't have to waste your breath. You just play them Usher's Yeah. yeah. But all right, moving on to our top alternative track this week. Our top track for the week that video Ouija came out is actually a song by the band Lost Profits. But because their singer was convicted of just some absolutely horrible, insidious shit, uh, I don't really want to play their music or, or talk about them. And I kind of feel bad because you, you find so many times when a band gets completely fucking ruined because one guy in the band, typically the singer, I feel like it's always the singer, did some horrible thing and then the band has to break up and all this stuff and it just... It really sucks, because what about the other guys in the band? They're probably decent guys. They probably didn't do anything wrong. And they had their whole career fucking ripped out from underneath them. So kind of sad when that happens. And, and of course, that, that goes into the whole conversation of can you still enjoy music by an art, like a band with an artist in it that did something bad? Of course, in the case of Lost Profits, which is a very extreme case, um, then I think that's kind of in its own category. But also, I mean, look at bands like Led Zeppelin. Look at bands like uh, any any other uh, 70s, 80s band. You know, David Bowie, Ted Nugent. All these guys were having sex with like 13-year-old girls at the time. You know, it's like, why aren't these guys blacklisted? I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting, interesting conversation, but I don't think I'm the one that should be leading that. So instead, instead of talking about a song by Lost Prophets, which uh, as for them as a band, I don't really know any of their music. Let's talk about a uh, an honorable mention here, a song that was the top alternative track in between our Aqua Teen episode airings. Will you come home and stop this pain tonight? 
stop this pain tonight Don't waste your time on me You're already the voice inside my head Don't waste your time on me You're already the voice inside my head So that is Blink-182 with I Miss You. This was the top alternative track for two weeks beginning in April 3rd. 2004 and growing up i was never like that big into blink 182 of course i would hear songs like this or their other hits on the radio or or see it on mtv or whatever and like them well enough uh but i never had any of their cds or anything so i don't have this huge attachment to blink 182 but uh, i like this song and the interesting thing about this song is it's almost like two minutes until the chorus even comes in which is very surprising and i want to say here an asterisk here uh i don't know what the guys in Blink-182 are up to. I know one of the guys is, is uh, Travis Barker, who's playing drums all over the place. I'm sure he's okay, maybe. Uh, one of the guys is like into aliens or something. I don't know. Just, I'm putting it out there. I don't know anything about these guys, so don't come at me like, whoa, you wouldn't talk about Lost Prophets, but that one guy from Blink-182 ate his dog or something like that. I don't know anything about these guys, but hey, uh, the, the hits sound pretty good, I guess. Also, I just can't fathom the balls on these people to use somewhat of like a fake English accent. He's like, you're already the voice inside my head. Like, bro, you're from America. Like, why? I don't know. It's always interesting to me when I hear bands like Green Day, too, which we will be talking about later this year, of course. Uh, early The Killers did it. Lots of American singers putting on these British uh, accents when they sing, which is very interesting since a lot of British singers don't even have an accent when they sing. But okay, there is one big piece of music history that I, I need to talk about with you, and that is the 2004 Super Bowl on February 1st. And, you know, a lot of people will ask, oh, where were you when 9-11 happened? Where were you when, when Michael Jackson died? Well, similarly to that, similarly to Michael Jackson, I remember where I was when I first heard about Janet Jackson's boobs slipping out on the Super Bowl here, because I've made it very clear I'm not a sports hunk, so that was the case as well when I was 10 years old. Uh, forget before I said I was 9, I, I would have been 10 at this time. Uh, I didn't care about sports, I did not watch the Super Bowl, and then I came to school and I heard that Janet Jackson's boob popped out and you could see it on TV, and I just lamented in that moment not being a sports fan. And I know you might be thinking, wow, you pervert, you horny bastard. Well, I was a 10-year-old kid, I had never seen anything like that, and I was like, holy shit, you could see that on TV? I mean, don't act like you weren't curious then too, and don't act like you're not curious now, so stop fucking judging me. I just had such remorse, such FOMO for not watching the Super Bowl in 2004. But all right, that is our seminal music history news for you there. Uh, let's move on to some video games. What, what were we playing at the time? I wasn't playing any of these, but I want to give some honorable mention to some titles that I recognize and can talk a tiny bit about. Uh, so this is all in March here. Of course, this episode of Aqua Teen came out in April, but uh, a month before in March... We had Unreal Tournament 2004 coming out, Counter-Strike Condition Zero coming out, and then Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow coming out. But for this week in Aqua Teen history, the week that Video Ouija comes out, we have Hitman Contracts coming out on the PlayStation 2, Xbox, PC, this being a highly regarded Hitman game. And the Hitman games, uh, my understanding, I have not played them yet. I, I totally intend to because they sound up my alley. 
but they are similar somewhat to the Tom Clancy Splinter Cell games where you are a an agent and you got to do spy kind of things. I, I know that there's some differences in how it plays, but that's the gist of it. So yeah, we have Hitman Contracts coming out, which, uh, yeah, highly regarded even to this day, believe it or not. So all right, it's Sunday, April 25th. 2004, you just saw Man on Fire and you're hyped up, you're so hyped up, you run home while listening to Usher's Yeah, and you hop on your computer and play your new Hitman Contracts game trying to recreate Man on Fire. You're like, ah, oh, somebody kidnapped D Dakota Fanning, I gotta go save her. Well, you realize that this is a ridiculous concept and you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I trying to pretend that Hitman Contracts is, is some sort of appropriate simulation to play Man on Fire, the film I just watched? This is dumb. I'm going to go watch Adult Swim. You click on the TV. What exactly are you seeing? I'll tell you. So since we are in a new year, you would expect I'd have all these new shows to tell you about, but that isn't really the case. So let's just go through this this lineup like normal. Of course, our lineup is a little different, but nothing here is particularly new. The one thing I do need to mention is that this is like a big celebration of Popeye's 75th anniversary. You know, Popeye the Sailor Man eating his spinach, sucking on his pipe, and kicking some ass, that Popeye. So we'll get into that, but I don't think that's super important. So first of all, at 11 p.m., we are starting the night with Futurama ahead in the polls. This is the one where they bring Richard Nixon's head into the mix, and it just gets really crazy. A very fun episode, a classic Futurama episode to start the night. At 11.30, we get Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, with The Devlin Made Me Do It, this being a new episode. In this episode, we actually have Toby Huss playing the Devlin character. Toby Huss, to me, most notable for playing Con and Cotton on King of the Hill. From there, at 11.45 p.m., we get C-Lab 2021 with the episode Vacation, which is not a new episode. Then at midnight, we are kicking off with our Aqua Teen Hunger Force business, so technically this is Monday morning. Uh, we get Aqua Teen Hunger Force with Video Ouija, the episode we will be talking about today. And then at 12.15, we get another Aqua Teen Hunger Force episode with The. So we get a season two episode, they're just throwing it on the end there. So two Aqua Teen episodes, which is pretty cool. Uh, one new, one old. From there at 12.30, we get The Ripping Friends, something we haven't talked about in, the, in a while here. The episode is The Man from Next Thursday, Part 2. If you don't remember, The Ripping Friends was created by John Kay, the, the creator of Run and Stimpy. It was about these superheroes, and it just seemed so out of place to me. And in all of my time in the Adult Swim world at this point, I have not seen a single person say that they care about this show or have nostalgia for the show or anything. So it's just always bizarre when this one pops up. Uh, from there at 1 a.m., we get the Oblongs with Milo Interrupted. Then at 1.30, the, you know, the interesting thing here is we get the Popeye Show. So looking up about the Popeye Show, this was actually executively produced by Mike Lazo and Keith Crawford, of course, the executive producers behind Aqua Teen, uh, produced by Barry Mills. And this was them kind of, uh, you know, doing what they did before Adult Swim, really, which was repackaging these old cartoons. And that's what this was. It was repackaging Popeye. And then they would have uh, somebody by the name of Bill Murray, not the Bill Murray, to be clear, just a, a narrator uh, named Bill Murray, who would kind of give the audience facts and information and history about Popeye in between the, the cartoon segments. That's where a lot of this was. You know, us in, in 2023, we aren't as, as memorable of this kind of stuff, but, but back in the, the 90s and such, 
what they would do is repackage this stuff and have to find new ways to to sell this old content to audiences. And this is a way that they would do it was by having some sort of narrator kind of giving you information about these old cartoons because all they had at the time were these old cartoons. And, and we can see that not only in these repackaging things, but also in, in shows like C-Lab and shows like Space Ghost. It just, that's, that's really how all this started was this kind of just different ways to repackage this old content, which is really interesting to see another way that they would go about doing it. So, so that is our lineup for the night. We have Futurama, Harvey Birdman, C-Lab, Two Aqua Teens, The Ripping Friends, The Oblongs, and Popeye, which this is not the lineup I was expecting when we would go into 2004. And before we leave our Adult Swim lineup, even though there are no new shows really on Adult Swim at this point, maybe there's like an anime or two, but obviously that's not what this podcast is concerned with. Uh, there is a show that ended. So not only do we have Brack show ending on the last day of 2003, but we also have home movies coming to an end on April 4th. So just earlier this month in our timeline, the last episode of Home Movies came out, the, the final episode of season four. So very sad to see Home Movies over with. But also Home Movies was really just an, such an interesting story because, you know, it started out on UPN, but not only did it get brought over to Adult Swim to air unaired episodes, but also it got picked up by Adult Swim and they made three more seasons. So I can't be too bummed out by this. Because, you know, it's like, yeah, it sucks that Hope Movies ended, but also at least it got three more seasons that it otherwise would not have gotten. So kind of counting my blessings on that one. And of course, you have Brendan Small going on to make Metalocalypse for Adult Swim, which I'm excited to talk about in the podcast in a few seasons here. And then Lauren Bouchard goes on to, to make a bunch of stuff like Bob's Burgers, which ends up on Adult Swim as well, even though it's not an Adult Swim original. So yeah, uh, sending off to Home Movies... One of my favorite Adult Swim shows, a show that I did watch back in the day and I did really enjoy, R.I.P. Home Movies. But all right, let's move on and let's talk about Season 3, Episode 1, Video Ouija. Let's check it out. The new year brings new opportunities as well as new challenges. I sincerely hope your 2023 goes off without a hitch, but in case you find yourself in a pickle, I'm here to let you know that BillyWitchDoctor.com is always here for you. From raising your deceased chicken back from the dead to summoning ultra mega chicken, BillyWitchDoctor.com is your one-stop shop for all your chicken black magic needs. Use discount code DANCINGISFORBIDDEN for a free copy of the Necronomicon with your next chicken summoning session, BillyWitchDoctor.com. You say funny thing. And let me tell you, not only is it new year, new me, but it's a new year. We have two new Moonmasters reporting for duty. We have TC and Rob both signing up at the $5 duffel bag of cash tier over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. TC, Rob, thank you both so much. TC signing up the day before Christmas. Talk about an early Christmas present. It's always nice seeing one of those emails pop up. And then Rob joining the day before my wife's birthday, but I don't think that she was as excited about that as I was. TC and Rob, they are starting off their 2023 busy. They are busy bees because there is over nine hours of coverage of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters over there and a bunch of other stuff, all sorts of fun stuff, all sorts of goodies as well. I don't know if I ever mentioned it, but there's also like a uh, a discussion on the Dave Willis interview there. I give some some behind the scenes info, how that kind of came to be and all that good stuff. 
And yeah, thank you everybody who supports the podcast. I, I've said it so many times, but it really does help out. I'm just one person, so your your financial contribution towards this crazy old podcast, it really makes a difference. So again, thank you those who value the show enough to support it over there. TC, Rob, glad to have you on board. Hope you are having a good 2023. And also, I hope your chickens are all right, but if they're not, let me know. I know just the guy to bring them back. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Video Ouija premiering April 25th, 2004 with a TV 14 LV rating for language and violence. And from my understanding, this is the first season premiere of an Aqua Teen episode to premiere with a 14 rating. Now, Super Birthday Snake back in season two eventually was rated TV 14, but initially it was actually TV PG DLV, which is wild to me that that would be a PG rating on, on Super Birthday Snake. But yes, Video Ouija with the honor of being the first TV 14 season premiere episode. So the voice cast on this one, okay, there's some caveats here. First of all, now that we are in season three, we are done with the Dr. Weird openings, and instead they are repurposing a an unaired pilot essentially called Space Kataz, which was the Moon and Knights and the Plutonians kind of going back and forth playing pranks on each other and stuff like that. They, they cut that up and put that in front of every single season three episode. So because of that, Matt Malero... Andy Merrill and Mike Schatz are listed on the voice cast of all of these episodes, which makes things kind of confusing for me because seeing Matt Malero there every single time is like, oh, is that other voice Matt too? Who knows? So I'm not stoked about that. But otherwise, without those guys, the the episode proper is just our normal voice cast. We have Dave Willis, Dana Snyder, and Carrie Means. Which actually, every season premiere Aqua Teen episode has only featured those guys on voice acting. With Rabot, of course, we had the Rabot as a villain, but that was voiced by just a text-to-speech kind of sound effect. And then we had Super Birthday Snake, which doesn't have any new voice cast. And then this one as well. So they start off every season with just the main voice cast, so far at least. And of course, I'm referring to just the episode proper and not any intro skits or, or what have you. Now, to move on to Space Kataz, I've decided with the help of the Moon Masters that I'm not going to be discussing those alongside these episodes. I'm actually going to be talking about the whole thing as a whole, as the entire Space Kataz pilot as intended at some point in the future, and that will probably be on the Patreon feed. So just letting you know now, and, and a big reason I'm deciding to not discuss those in these episodes is because to me, it's just kind of white noise. And uh, I mean, it's just going to be me saying, hey, you know, the Moon and Ice did this to the Plutonians every single time. It's basically that. So I'd rather look at it as a whole. I've actually never sat down and watched the entire Space Kataz. So I am really looking forward to that and and to, to watch it in the context it was meant to be watched in rather than these one-off little gags of them going back and forth. So yeah, we're not going to be discussing those in these episodes. So all right, with all of that out of the way, of course we open with our Space Kataz intro, which we will not be talking about like I just said. Then we get our normal intro, and from there we start our first episode of 2004, our first Aqua Teen episode of Season 3. So the first thing that we open on is the Aqua Teens TV. We are in their living room looking dead on into the TV, 
and we see a really crazy sight. So first of all, everything is 8-bit here. We see an upside-down pentagram with a skull in it. It says Ouija on it, and then inside the pentagram is the alphabet, and on the outside are, are numbers ranging from 1 to 9 and then a 0. So it's this really cool graphic, but again, it's 8-bit. So we learn that it's a video game that Meatwad is playing. We then pull out to see Meatwad in the living room, and he has drawn a giant pentagram on the carpet that he is sitting in the middle of, and he has this very old looking game system. I'm reading on the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki that it is a replica of the Atari 2600, which came out in 1977 to give you an idea of like the old tech that Meatwad has. And uh, of course, we've talked about this on the podcast many times on how the Aqua Teens consistently have this old technology. Like they had this old phone book lying around. They have all this old tech. That is just such a delight to see. And again, for any younger viewers of Aqua Teen and listeners on this podcast, this stuff was meant to be old as hell at the time. It wasn't like indicative of the technology of the time whatsoever. So Meatwad's playing on that, which explains the 8-bit graphics, the simple graphics on the screen. But yes, again, we see Meatwad in the living room. The lights are dimmed, and uh, we have some candles, one at every point of, of the pentagram on the carpet... Uh, we have like a you know all different colored candles here, and then there are some candles up on the banister, and one of them, the red candles, even leaking onto the wall. And of course, all the little flames are the classic Space Ghost Hanson campfire effect, which I love just seeing this all over the place. But yeah, all the candles are different colors, which is pretty cool to see. But what really strikes me here is the lighting. We see kind of a uh, somewhat of a dynamic lighting, a flicker effect on Meatwad's face and kind of on the wall. The lights are clearly dimmed. It's just like, yes, these are the same models that we saw in Season 1 of Aqua Teen, but we can already see that they're using them in much more advanced ways, especially with this lighting technology, which is kind of how video games are too these days, right? Like, lighting is really the biggest thing to advance, and that's definitely the case here. They are playing around with this lighting, and it looks really great, I think, especially when you're, when you're used to how the show normally looks. But uh, eventually, Shake will come into frame. I should mention Frylock is there watching Meatwad play this. Shake will come in, and then we will see on the screen it'll, it'll turn into a ghost, just a simple white ghost floating there. Eventually, Shake will fuck with the video game, and that will cause the, the screen just to freak out, and it'll kind of do like a, a flashing strobe effect, which really, uh, there should be a warning here for anybody with epilepsy. It'll flash very quickly, again, because Shake messed things up. Finally, on the screen, we will see, we will see it says Ouija on the top. We see just a very simple kind of fresh burial plot with it, with a tombstone that says RIP and then little skulls on each corner of the screen. So that's all the visual elements here in this opening clip. I know it's a lot. Let's dive in and give it a listen. Let's hear it all play out. Welcome to Video Ouija. Spirit, turn this house. <laughs> Come out and play with me. You think you're running the Matrix? You're gonna break that thing. Shh, you're disturbing the present. Look, Shake, he needs complete silence so he can talk to the dead. Yeah? Well, he needs lack of oxygen so he can become the dead. How's an intruder entered the Ouija realm? All right, scoot over. Shake, I don't... control this now. Don't do that. You're not supposed to touch it. You're just trying to let your hand rest on it. I got a smart bomb locked out of this guy. He's gonna blow him up. <laughs> So that is Master Shake ruining Meatwad's game. And a big point I want to talk about here is when the screen does flash. It's very brief, but we see the ghost on the screen and it just starts flashing two different colors. And I've seen this episode so many times I never thought anything of it until just now I'm looking at this image. 
The two colors are the Ignignoct green and the Ur pink. And I cannot believe that this is a coincidence. This had to have been on purpose by the animation team, which they have been known to do. And the cool thing here, of course, if, if you listen to the Mayhem of the Moon Knights podcast episode I did, is that the Moon Knights initially, the idea was that they were going to be the ghosts of like essentially what were buried ET cartridges, which were supposed to be buried under the Aqua Teen's house, which was kind of like a, a tall tale, a rumor for a long time. But it turned out to be true that in the desert, there was a bunch of these ET cartridges buried because the game was dog shit. Nobody wanted to buy it. So they just buried them out in, in the desert somewhere. And the idea was initially, again, for the Aqua Teen's house to be built on that on that pile. And that's why the Moon Knights were haunting them. They were the ghosts of these cartridges. And that E.T. game that inspired the idea of these Moon Knights was for the Atari 2600, which is what Meatwad is supposed to be playing. So a really cool hidden detail here. And it kind of brings things full circle to this, you know, kind of kind of a nod to the origins of the Moon Knights. But just so cool there. Just these two, this two tone of, of flashing colors that you normally wouldn't really think that much about. And uh, something I want to talk about is Ouija boards, if, if you're somehow unfamiliar the idea is it's like a board with the alphabet on it and then like yes and no and stuff. And you and other people, you're supposed to let your fingers rest on this this kind of piece of wood that, that you put on the board. with a, There's like a hole in the center and then like the spirits are supposed to move it around. But really, it's just somebody pushing it. Like I've done a Ouija board once and and for the full effect we were we were in a graveyard doing it and it it was like nighttime and everything and i i just knew that one of the people there was pushing it i'm like this is so fucking dumb dude you know i think it was actually halloween too when we were doing it for the for the maximum spook effect but uh that's my my history with ouija boards uh no offense to anybody i guess who lives by the lives by the ouija i don't mean to insult your beliefs but in my experience it was kind of lame but it's so funny for them to translate this into a video game. It's video Ouija and you you're just supposed to rest your hand on on the on the joystick and then it'll like you can talk to ghosts that way. Just just such a really smart and fun idea. To the visual elements, it's really funny because Shake picks up the joystick and he's kind of he's holding the joystick and just shaking the the blocky part of it around, like the part that's supposed to be on the ground. And you see the wire that is connected to it. And it's so funny because you see him moving around this joystick, but the wire is completely static and stationary hanging off of it. Um, you know, hey, they can't get everything 100% perfect. Of course, we have advanced in our visuals on the show, but, you know, they don't have the budget to completely do everything. But okay, let's carry on with our episode here. So, so Shake just ruined Meatwad's game, and then Meatwad, he's going to do the only thing he can do. He's going to tell Frylock. Frylock, he's touching him. All right, all right. <laughs> you don't have to tell, little baby. This is a piece of crap anyhow. In fact, I may destroy it. Okay, Meatwad, time to put it up. It's getting late. Come on, just one more dead person, please. Just one more dead All right, one more. All right, so I love the way that Shake's like, in fact, I may destroy it. Like, he, he of course, he, he has to stop messing with Meatwad. Frylock is making him. But, but, you know, Shake, he has to have the last word. He has to have the final say there as he walks away. Something funny is Shake, he's he's still holding the joystick at the beginning of that clip. He, he throws it and it bounces off Meatwad. Like, he throws it at Meatwad. It bounces off Meatwad, hits the ground, and explodes. 
um, you know, that's to be expected. But the interesting thing is the wire actually moves very realistically with the with the joystick. So really impressive after the previous clip where the wire was just static and very fake looking. They did a really great job here moving it around in that shot. But all right, so so that's all there is to say about that short clip. Let's move on now. Meet Wad, he's going to properly try and play the game. And suddenly now <laughs> he has two joysticks, one in each hand, and he's just kind of uh, holding them similar to how Shake was. He is, uh, instead of having it on the ground and resting his hand on it, like he was saying you're supposed to do, he's just kind of jiggling one in each hand in the air at this point. And visually what's going on on the TV screen is we just see that simple 8-bit ghost that Meat Wad is talking to. Spirits. Get home to this house. Tell me! <laughs> what was we talking about? My sister's baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of them other dead boys told me about that. How's she doing? She's dead. We're all dead. Well, at least I had all its fingers and toes, you know what I mean? So you hear Shake beckoning Frylock. We will get back to that. But uh, to, to meet Wad here, I love his voice, you know, spirits, like he's trying to put on this this ghostly voice. But then once him and him and the, the ghost start talking about this super mundane shit, it's just, you know, back to normal. Very funny. I believe that's Dave Willis voicing the ghost. Sounds like him to me. In terms of the very first sound we heard at the very beginning of the episode where they say, welcome to Video Ouija, I'm not really sure. I'd assume it's Dave too, but it, it's kind of hard to tell. The voice is so affected and it's such a short clip. I love though that this game, you know, it's Video Ouija. You think it's gonna be all scary. Oh, you're talking to ghosts, but you're talking about the most boring shit. It's just, oh, my sister's baby. Like, oh my God, who cares? Like, that's not why we're trying to talk to the dead here. So really funny that this uh, kind of calling back to, to that E.T. game that was just horrible. And this is kind of in that vein as well. Although, of course, as the episode goes on, we will see that there's a little bit more to this game than you might initially think. Uh, to the visuals really quickly, when Meatwad is moving those joysticks around, I notice that there are no wires on them. These are wireless joysticks, but I kind of have to wonder what the conversation was like when they were animating this. I assume that they tried to do wires at first, but that would have been too difficult, and it probably just looked bad without really fully animating them. Like when Shake threw the joystick at Meatwad and it actually went with the joystick, they probably just... It didn't look good. And plus, because he had two, there would have been like two wires going over Meatwad. And it makes more sense why they just had uh, joysticks that are wireless in this case. And speaking of the peripherals for this gaming console, uh, very interesting that you can actually talk to the, the ghost in the game. I guess there's some sort of built-in microphone technology or on the inverse, it's just maybe dark magic, the dark magic in the cartridge that, uh, that allows you to talk to the ghost. Make sure you don't blow in that cartridge. You might blow all the spirits and specters out of it and the black magic that allows you to interface with the game. Kind of a bummer you can't blow in cartridges anymore. Of course, I remember doing that a ton as a kid, which which uh, turns out didn't even help. That just like that was actually bad because, you know, me as a little kid, I was probably spitting all over the fucking thing, ruining it. Uh, but yeah, I guess that didn't help. But you can't do it anymore. I can't say I missed it, but maybe some people do. I guess if you miss it, uh, but you play all your games digitally, you can, I don't know, unplug your, your router and then uh, spit in the in the router where the Ethernet cable goes and then plug it back in, I don't know, or take your hard drive out and blow on that. How about that? Moving on, we're going to see what Shake wants Frylock for, and then it will be revealed that Shake, he's trying to hang himself in the hallway. I assume he has tied the rope he's trying to hang himself with to the uh, pole cord up to the attic where Willie Nelson lives. Let's just say that. Uh, yeah, he tries to hang himself so that he can get into the game to fuck with Meatwad, but, but Frylock quickly stops Shake. Come back here, quick! 
Check it out. I'm screwing up his little game. <laughs> what are you doing? Wait, stop. Shake. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing? I'm going to get in that little game of his, and then I'm going to so hose him <laughs> till his heart stops. <laughs> See? And then, and then I'm the winner. Well, you're not going to do it this way. You always take his side. <laughs> I wouldn't say don't ever talk to me again, but I'm not talking to you. So there's no point in saying it because you're not even here. <laughs> Good night, Shake. Good night. That is Shake kicking the chair, and it sounds like it exploded. Uh, yeah, just just some great lines from Dana Snyder there. I love the little cackle he does. <laughs> we hear that a ton, especially in the cloning. When I hear that, I think the cloning because his his character on the TV screen is is, is laughing. But uh, yeah, we hear Shake's plan. And then Frylock, he saves Shake. And again, I'm, I'm surprised how effortlessly Frylock can kind of lift Shake up in these instances when sometimes that's not the case. It's always fun to see the discrepancy there. But uh, that is, you know, Frylock, he cuts Shake down. He cuts the uh, rope that, that Shake is trying to hang himself with. I like Shake saying, you always, you always take his side when, when Frylock is literally saving Shake's life. But that's the gist of that conversation. Uh, visually, I like, we can clearly see going from the living room to the hallway the hallway is much better lit again i'm just really really uh, in love with uh, the lighting effects that they are pulling off here the last thing i want to say about that clip is that at the beginning we can kind of hear meatwad talking with the ghost so i went back and listened and uh, all he says is so what else is going on but he says it very slowly and then the ghost says we have pictures and then that's basically it so uh, it really focuses on the on the Frylock and Shake conversation. I wish I could have heard more about what they were talking about, but unfortunately we can't. And actually, I lied. There's one more visual thing I want to mention is I love when Shake goes to hang himself. His eyeballs just like shoot out of his head. It's very funny. But okay, the Aqua Teens have gone to bed. But of course, speaking of Shake trying to kill himself... Uh, we kind of see in the next scene, that's exactly what he does. So we open in on a, we hear a, a knock on the door and then Frylock opens the door and Carl is there. Frylock goes outside and Carl is showing Frylock his car. We then see a hose going from the exhaust in the car all the way over to the pool. We go into the backyard and we see the pool and there is just blood coming out of it uh, on the sides. The water is red. We see a bunch of piranhas in it. We see a toaster and we see a bottle of sleeping pills. Hey, Carl. Can I show you something real quick? It, uh, it starts here where I used to have a full tank of gas. Uh-huh. And, uh, hey, what's bubbling in the pool? <laughs> oh, my God. What are those, piranhas? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Shake's in there, too. <laughs> you can't see him because he's in the piranhas, but, what you, you know. Shake! No, 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 fry man. Back off. Them fish are still alive. They're just sort of, you know, tired <laughs> from all them sleeping pills Shake swallowed. <laughs> Hey, did he want to kill himself? <laughs> oh my god, is this a note? So you hear Frylock, he found a note in the water, he pulls it out, it's all bloody and, and such. Uh, I should mention, of course, it is daytime now, it is the next day. And I love how kind of uh, matter-of-fact Carl is about all this. He, he doesn't seem particularly angry, he's just presenting all of it uh, pretty calmly to Frylock. I suppose Carl has had some time to kind of uh, stew over this scene, uh, pun intended. So before I talk more about this, uh, let's jump into the note that Shake left. Frylock starts reading the note, and then we get some kind of flashback visuals of, first of all, Shake writing the note, and he just has a piece of paper on Carl's car, and he's just holding a pencil and just scribbling on it. From there, we get 
essentially Shake's imagination of what is supposed to happen after he's dead, which involves him flying out of the TV while Meatwad's playing video Ouija, and he just kind of terrorizes Meatwad and chases him around the house. We will talk more about them after the clip. Uh, and then we go back to the past, where we see Shake. He is, at a certain point, standing on the rim of Carl's pool, holding the the garden hose with the exhaust from the car coming out of it. He's holding a bottle of sleeping pills. He pops the pills. He puts the hose in his mouth, and then he jumps into the pool, at which point the piranhas come out, and then the water turns red. There's also a toaster in there, that, and we can see the electricity from the toaster as well. So we, we see this whole scene before the bloody mess, and I have to say, this is probably one of the most excited suicide notes in history. Friends, relations, whatever the hell Meatwad is. <laughs> I've lived a full life. It's actually been pretty bitchin'. <laughs> but now, regrettably, my life has been taken. Please bury me with all my stuff because you know it's mine. <laughs> Dearest Meatwad, turn on that dumb game because I'm going to wail on you from the grave, baby! <laughs> Suck it up, mother! Missing you already, MS. <laughs> okay, so a lot going on in that clip. First of all, in the commentary, there is a commentary for all these episodes. Although the commentary, I talked about it with J. Wade Edwards in our interview. He recorded this at his house. He basically had a season rap party at his house. And um, everybody like would walk around and like get microphones and then kind of talk. And it would be put in on the DVD. However, because there are so many people there... And because Jay's, uh, his home at the time was so, I guess, undampened in that it was very echoey, it's very hard to make out what people are saying, but I listen to it so that you don't have to. Uh, at a certain point, Dave Willis comes in and comments on Shake writing on, with the pencil because it's always funny when Shake has to hold stuff and... Dave comments on how Shake holds the pencil like a kid in his second grade class did and that he wraps his entire hand around the pencil, which is really, really funny. Just uh, if you if you go and watch this one, just pay attention to to the writing of the pencil. It looks very silly. Um, but yeah, Shake, he's writing. And I want to mention on the note, like on the paper, we see him writing. It looks like it's just scribbles. But it's really cool because it, it does it does generate as Shake is moving the pencil. It looks pretty realistic. And, you know, he's not writing actual words, but it is writing with the pencil. And uh, this could just be kind of uh, chalked up to Shake maybe doesn't know how to actually write, which I would totally believe. But I want to mention this because it's always interesting to see how this is done in cartoons. And of course, if you've watched cartoons, there are some just horrible instances of, of cartoons doing this where a character is writing and it just looks so off. I know in an early King of the Hill episode, which is, you know, a, a pretty well animated show, I think, especially, you know, the early seasons, it was all like pencil drawn um, or, or hand drawn rather. Uh, there is like a really horrible example of, of Hank goes to write his name and it looks so fake. Here, they actually did a good job. Again, he's not writing words. But, you know, the, the pencil is leaving marks as Shake moves it around the paper. And then from there, so we're going to go into these sequences of what Shake wants to happen when he's a ghost. So he flies out of the video Ouija television, and it's the same background that we had when the episode opened. So it's nighttime and everything. And Shake, the asset of Shake as a zombie, 
in ghost form here is actually from Super Birthday Snake. So the season two opener, they are reusing that asset in the season three opener. But this time, Shaky's holding a katana, which is a Japanese sword. But again, in that shot, it is nighttime, right? Because when we opened in on the episode, Meatwad was doing video Ouija, it was nighttime. But then in the other shots, it's daytime, which is funny. So we see Shake chasing Meatwad through the hallway, and then Meatwad runs into his bedroom and he slams the door, but because Shake is a ghost, he just flies through the door. So Meatwad runs back out, and then he goes to a closet, he opens the door, and it's a very strange sight. The best way I could describe it, I think, is it's supposed to be a very, very exaggerated almost like a vagina or something like I don't know how else to describe this I know that's very crude and crass and I apologize to all the female listeners here that's really the best way I could think that this could be described it's very mucous membrane-y and it's just kind of pulsating when when Meatwad opens the closet this would be reused in the episode Dickisode as well uh that's in season four so this is the first time we see the closet like this and uh, in the commentary, Dave said that the closet joke was never used until now. It's, they seemingly wanted to do this in season two, and, and they had the asset, but they didn't use it until this episode. And I, I have to assume, like, the joke is that it looks like a vagina, probably. I don't, I don't know what else the joke is, is supposed to be. Uh, so we, we will come back to that closet in, in future episodes, but we see it first here. It's just very nonsensical. Uh, so yeah, at that point, uh, Shake with the katana kind of stabs Meatwad. Um, so with with Shake killing himself in the pool, the first thing we really see is there is a toaster in the pool which has electricity going through it. I spent some time Googling this. I don't think that would actually kill you. That wouldn't do anything to you unless I think you actually swam up to it and like put your hand in it. I was watching a lot of videos of people messing around with electricity and water. And it, it, yeah, just putting a toaster in a pool that size, I don't think would actually kill you, especially because Shake jumps in on the opposite end of it. I think you'd probably be okay. Of course, I wouldn't suggest doing this, but I don't think that would have done anything. And we can actually see that because the piranhas are still alive, right? The, the toaster is in the pool, but the piranhas were fine. So I think that kind of explains that. Uh, but not really a plot hole because... Um, uh, you know, Shake has seven other ways of killing himself here. Uh, so we see him with the sleeping pills. I mean, that would do the job. Uh, also sucking on the exhaust and jumping in the pool. And the piranhas, definitely. I spent time looking up, uh, can you put fish in a pool? Can you put piranhas in a pool? Of course, I know you cannot. But I was wondering, how long would they be alive for? I read anywhere from a few minutes to a couple hours the fish could survive. Um, I feel like the point at which Frylock and, and Carl see the fish, they would definitely be dead at that point. But it, you know, I wonder when Shake put them in the pool. I don't know that they would really be attacking him. I think they'd just be in pain, honestly. But uh, again, uh, Shake, he, he still would have killed himself uh, with, with these sleeping pills, if anything else. Especially being in a pool, right? You'd fall asleep and uh, then, then drown at that point. The last thing I want to talk about is the Shake quote, And bury me with all my stuff because you know it's mine. That quote has lived in my head rent-free since like the mid-2000s. And, and whenever I think about dying or being buried, I think about that quote. It's just one of the funniest Aqua Teen quotes to me. I just love it so much. But all right, uh, so that is Shake's note. Let's jump back and hear what Frylock and, and Carl think about this. And I have to tell you that after a very short interaction, Frylock will just start to float away from Carl and he will respond about that. Fry man, I am so sorry that uh, I can't press charges here. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, I can't help but notice that you're trying to leave right now. Any chance you were going to clean the shakes stew out of my pool? Or... No. Okay. Watch your back. <laughs> so Carl's saying to you, watch your back. We will see 
later in the episode uh, what Carl does, if anything. But poor Carl, man. Now he has to clean this up. I remember when I was younger and it's like, let's say somebody is is like brutally murdered in your home, right? You come home and, and there's just a mess there. I, like growing up, I thought that like the police cleaned it up or whatever, but they don't. Like you're kind of responsible for that. And it's just one of those those shitty things that you never really think about until you're in that situation, I guess. And and Carl here, he's definitely in that situation where he's just got this huge mess. And also, his his car is now uh, missing a tank of gas because of Shake. Although I have to really wonder how Carl didn't hear any of this going on. You know, he works from home. If his car was there, I would assume he was home. Uh, maybe Shake did it while Carl was still sleeping. Maybe Shake did it early in the morning. And hey, I'm coming in after the fact now. YouTube just suggested to me a video of Jeremy Wade from the River Monsters series. And he gets into a pool with piranhas and lo and behold, they do not attack him. Uh, so again, though, the, the sleeping pills and, and the car exhaust, that's all Shake needed. But okay, Shake is dead. Frylock is going back home. What is Frylock going to find when he gets home? We open in on the TV and another video game, but this time it's not Video Ouija. We see two white guys, uh, again, they're in 8-bit form. They're just kind of pointing at each other and talking to each other. Meatwad is playing Insult Master, a video game where all you do is insult each other. Hey, man. You stole my wristwatch. You dumb. I already have a wristwatch. You dumb. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> Burn. I saw you looking at it. Joe Mama, you did. Classic comeback. <laughs> Joe Mama, Joe Mama, Joe Mama. Incineration. <laughs> All right. You're the insult master. I love how, how lame these insults are. And uh, I just love this episode. I think something I like about it is all these video game aspects to it. Similar to the cloning, we had like fake television aspects and also, I guess, Universal Remonster. Now we're getting these fake video games, which they kind of started doing, I think in season two, maybe in season one, but with Clam Digger. They talked about it, but we didn't get to see it. But here we are seeing these very, very funny, lame video games. However, Insult Master wasn't just a fake game on Aqua Teen. It eventually became a game that was on the Adult Swim website. And I only really knew this because back in the day I did play it. So uh, unfortunately, to my knowledge and all the research I did, there is no footage of it anywhere. Like you can't see what it even looked like anymore. And furthermore, it was not backed up. But the game was multiplayer. So even if it was backed up, I don't know that it would still work. Somebody would have to figure out how to fix it. But regardless, it was a game. And, and this is all from my memory now. So I, I am your, your firsthand source on this is that you would select kind of just words. Like you had the option of, of which words to pick and you would like put together your insult. And that was it. I don't remember much more than that. But I think it looks similar to in the episode here. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Very, very sad that we can't even see what it looks like anymore or what the icon even was. Maybe at some point it'll pop back up. I have to wonder on Adult Swim's end, like, they have to have these on their servers, right? Like, it has to exist somewhere. We just don't have it yet. So for now, it's a little piece of lost media. If you know anything about it, please reach out to me. Let me know if you have screenshots or videos or the game itself. I would love to talk to you about that. But yeah, Insult Master was a game at one point and a multiplayer game at that on Adult Swim's site. And of course, now there is a game called Oh Sir Insult Simulator, which I think came out in 2016, but it's possible it came out before then. That is basically the same idea. They they probably were inspired by Aqua Teen when they made that. Again, you're like picking from pre-selected things, I think, to insult each other. Um, it has good reviews, so it's probably better than I'm expecting it to be, but yeah, as, as for the actual Insult Master, 
you can't play it anymore. And to be clear, that new game, the Osirs Insult Simulator, that is not like affiliated with Adult Swim. That's its its own thing. Over on Reddit, user Bell Pepper has some info on Insult Master. Uh, the tagline for it was "Hurl your slander in this ego bruising game of smack talking skill." And he says it was possibly created on January eighth, two thousand five. I guess Bell Pepper's been looking into it, but. Uh, according to Bell Pepper, seven months ago, the game has not been found. So moving on, I actually have some info to tell you about the idea of Insult Master. According to the commentary, it is from Brack Show. And I assume that means that it's from a script that didn't get used because they said like, oh, we always liked it. We used it for Aqua Teen. I assume that this is not in Brack Show. I could not find any correlation there. Of course, I have not seen most of Brack Show. So if you have, if this is in the Brack Show, please let me know. Uh, but yeah, I, I assume from the way that they were talking about it in the commentary that they were going to put it in an episode of the Brack Show. It didn't make it in, and then they used it in Aqua Teen. So okay, Meatwad, he's playing on the Insult Master now. Frylock is going to come in and tell him that Shake is dead. So, uh, where's Video Ouija? I'm done with that, John. I talked to that ghost about his sister's boating for like three hours. <laughs> Boring. Well, maybe Boring. there's someone else in there. Yeah, huh? his sister's boating. All you get in there is wah, 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 fucking ghost bed with crunchy. Well, you never know. Let's give it another shot, okay? Oh, uh, I don't think you heard me. I said no. <laughs> Boom! I'm the insult master! Meatwad, Master Shake is dead. That's cool. <laughs> Meatwad just not phased by this at all. In fact, he's actually, he's happy about it. But I, I love that line, as you could hear by my laughter, of, of Meatwad saying, I don't think you heard me. I said no. Just <laughs> really sassy here. I love it. I love, I love when Meatwad brings this energy. Also, I forgot to mention that the insult master, all those voices, they all sounded like Dave Willis to me. And speaking of Dave Willis, I have to assume that a lot of these video game kind of references and such are coming from him. I've heard Matt say that he doesn't really play video games, but I think Dave kind of dabbles in them, and video games have definitely popped up in his own personal work, like outside of Aqua Teen. So I have to assume that he's kind of the one coming up with a lot of these. Of course, Matt, he knows what video games are, so it's not like impossible that he suggested some of this stuff. But uh, my gut tells me that a lot of it is coming from Dave. So anyways, Meatwad, he found out that Master Shake is dead, and it's very unsurprising that he doesn't care about this because we've seen this behavior from Meatwad many times where Shake is very injured or is about to die or is just gone for a long time, like in Supermodel, and, and Meatwad every single time, he's, he's happy about it. So unsurprising here. We are now going to get a time cut. It is nighttime now, and we have Frylock on video Ouija, and we will see Shake, and, and Frylock will be talking to Shake, which is very... Very surprising. You would suspect that a game like Video Ouija would just be bullshit, right? That, you know, it would just be programmed in that all they could talk about was was the baby. But as we can see, you really can talk to the dead in this game, which is quite astounding. You know, a, a funny twist would have been if Shake killed himself for nothing. But of course, then what would they do for the rest of the episode? So yes, Shake will be on the TV and he will be in 8-bit form. And then we'll, we will get a great callback to the baby they kept talking about. That baby, just an 8-bit baby in a crib will we'll pop up on the screen eventually and, and you will hear it crying. Shake. Shake, you in there? Why isn't he playing? Get his ass out of bed and get him on this thing. I hate to tell you this, Shake, but he's kind of getting tired of video Ouija. No! I went to great lengths to do this. <laughs> you get the hell over there and force. Hold on. Shut up. You'll find a nipple. Shake, will you stop? You're just riling him up. He's being a baby. He is a baby. And he's 
This place sucks ass. <laughs> well, well, Shake, I mean, I... I see. What? What? I can't just bring you back to life. I mean, I... You can do it. You know, you're like a math guy. I don't think that math <laughs> is going to bring you back from the dead. Well, what the hell is it? Oh, excuse me. Shut up! Hell, I don't know. Well, you better find out, because without me, you're lost, buddy. I'm not good with kids. So, yes, that entire interaction, very, very fun. To me, I'm really just appreciating the idea of this episode, that Shake killed himself, and then he somehow is able to end up in this video game in itself is, is very funny to me. But and then, of course, we have the fact that Meatwad doesn't give a shit anymore, and he's not even interested in talking to Shake in Video Ouija. It is just great. Like, this is one of those episodes where, where the plot alone, just, just learning about what the episode is about is funny, let alone the actual conversations and, and everything that takes place in it. So we had Frylock holding the controller here, and of course because Frylock floats, they said something interesting in the commentary, which was to the effect of it, it, it's hard for them to animate Frylock holding things like this that are attached to the ground because the controller does have a wire connected to it, and because Frylock, you know, floats up and down, he levitates, we, uh, we see how they deal with that, which the, the wire is just static, and the controller part itself is moving up and down with Frylock. So you can kind of see at a point, it kind of disconnects from the controller because Frylock is moving up and down. But of course, you know, they're not going to put money into trying to get this to look realistic. Something I like that Shake said was in regards to Frylock being a math guy, like he could just use math to bring Shake back, which is, you know, Frylock points out as ridiculous. But I don't know about you, but I've definitely known people who think that math can like solve everything. Like they try and boil everything down to a math problem when, in situations where it doesn't make any sense and is, you know, completely devoid of, of emotion or, or values. It's just like, yes, yeah, so everything could be a math problem. Oh, I know how to solve these big societal issues. Uh, we can boil it down to a simple math problem and, and figure out from there. It's just so dumb. So, so Shake saying that kind of gave me flashbacks to that sort of attitude. The last thing I want to say about that clip is I feel bad for everyone in the afterlife. So I guess when you die as a baby, you just are a baby forever as a ghost and you just cry nonstop and you always have baby needs as a ghost for all eternity. And then the other ghosts there have to just listen to this baby who is never going to grow up. Sounds like hell to me. But okay, uh, I really like the way that they carry on the story of this episode because we ended there. It was nighttime. Frylock was like, well, I can't bring you back. But Shake's like, oh, you have to figure something out. So now we just cut to Frylock, it's daytime now, it's the next day, I assume, or a few days later. Frylock, we just see him close up on him with a sheet of paper, and then we're going to see that he's actually interviewing somebody who supposedly can bring people back to life. So I like how they didn't really dwell on him having to find somebody. We just cut right to somebody's there. That's what I like, how Aqua Teen does this kind of stuff, because the episodes are so short. It's like, just cut around, you know, we saw them struggle with figuring this out in early season one and, you know, a couple episodes here or there, but this is really Matt and Dave at their best in terms of storytelling because it's just, all right, cut right to the next thing that's going on. We don't need to see Frylock looking for people. Uh, we just see him here. He's interviewing somebody and the person he is interviewing is BillyWitchDoctor.com, who is a very tall, skinny African man dressed in some sort of tribal garb to an extent. He has, uh, like, like the, uh, headdress of, of colorful feathers. He has a skull painted on his face and he is wearing just a loincloth. 
BillyWitchDoctor.com, very skinny. I love he's also wearing modern tennis shoes and then really high tube socks, which is great to me. Uh, and he's holding a staff as well, we see, with a chicken head on it. So that's all I'm going to say about BillyWitchDoctor.com for now. Let's listen to his introduction here. So, how is this pronounced? Billy. Okay. Have you ever worked with anything any larger than a chicken? BillyWitchDoctor.com work mostly in chicken. Well, could <laughs> BillyWitchDoctor.com maybe raise something else from the dead bigger than a chicken? Mega Ultra Chicken? No, shh, he is legend. Well, no, I mean, I was thinking more like a human. Milkshake. Or something like Ooh. that. Oh, BillyWitchDoctor.com feel more comfortable with chicken. Just chickens, huh? Okay, and you're local. One convenient locations in Africa. Okay, well, we'll be in touch. All right, so that is BillyWitchDoctor.com. Just when you thought this episode couldn't get any crazier. So BillyWitchDoctor.com, his model is inspired by what they suspected a naked Matt Jenkins would look like. And in case you're wondering who Matt Jenkins is, which you probably are because we have not talked about him on the podcast yet, Matt Jenkins is an animator in Aqua Teen. He's been there since day one. So when uh, the character design for BillyWitchDoctor.com was made, inspiration was taken from Matt Jenkins, what they suspected he would look like naked because he is very tall and very skinny. So that's really what they were inspired by, which is very, very funny to me. Of course, the name BillyWitchDoctor.com is very similar to The Wizard from Interfection, also known as www.wizard.com. So this is our second character with a .com at the end of their name, which is just, it's just I love that so much. I should just walk around calling myself dancingisforbidden.com. I think that would drive some traffic. Of course, Billy says, one convenient location, and then after a long pause, in Africa. I love the, the one convenient location thing. You know, Billy, he really traveled far to get to, to New Jersey here. I really love his dedication to his business. And the last thing I want to say about Billy is they were going to cast him. They were, they were planning to have somebody else play him. They didn't say who. I think it was just like a general idea to get somebody else to do him. But they realized it was easier just to have Dave hop in the booth and do it. So that's Dave Willis. And I can't help but notice all of the mic noise. I hear it's like really fuzzy whenever his voice comes in. I wonder why, because it's not the case with the other characters. But okay, of course, you're probably wondering, is BillyWitchDoctor.com a website? The domain is registered. I'm not really sure what's going on with this domain, but basically it was registered in 2004, early 2004, before this episode came out. Because of that, I have to believe it was Turner that did it. However, it never actually linked to anything Aqua Teen related. And at this point, like if I go back on the Wayback Machine, it looks like it did point to other things at certain points. But they didn't look like real websites. It's just those kind of like, you know, link directory kind of websites to random shit that makes no sense at all. Um, so I don't know that Turner still owns this, but right now if you type it in, it doesn't direct you to anything still. It was just in the past that I, th I think someone else bought it and was trying to use it uh, for some like, I don't know, advertising purposes or something. But somebody still owns the domain, uh, but it currently does not direct you to anything. And it was never tied to an actual Aqua Teen related website but again it was registered right before this episode came out so i have to imagine initially turner registered it but again i don't think they own it anymore like i wonder why they made we got us some medical waste.com a full website like with pictures with all this funny text they put a lot of effort into that website but then like something like this they they didn't do you know i wonder 
what the story behind that is. I guess I'll have to ask the guys next time I get to talk to them. But okay, let's jump back into this episode here. So BillyWitchDoctor.com just left. We heard the door close. And then we're going to see inside they actually have somebody else there that they are also kind of trialing out to see if he can bring Shake back. And this is just some unnamed magician. He's dressed in a purple magician's outfit. And he has a very shocked look on his face. Meatwad is really enjoying this guy. Basically, this guy's magic involves... He has a coin... And then Meatwad's like, oh, he pulled this right out of my ear. And the guy, you could see him, he just puts it in Meatwad, then pulls it back out again and looks really surprised. This is only working because Meatwad is dumb as hell. And Frylock, he's going to recognize this and go running after BillyWitchDoctor.com. I think we found our man, Frylock. Because <laughs> look at this here. He done pulled this out of my ear. <laughs> look at that. He did it again. Oh, hey, 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 Billy. Hey, Billy, wait. I want that boy for my birthday party. <laughs> this guy, the look on his face is great. He's just like, he looks like he's, oh, I'm so surprised by this, that, that I have this magic ability, but he just keeps putting the coin back in Meatwad's head. Um, so this magician, I don't know if he'll put, he might show up visually again, but of course, later on in the show's run, like in season 10, we get the character Merlo, who is a magician, who shows up a bunch of times, played by Henry Zabrowski, and Merlo looks like a very updated version of this guy. He, he's still dressed in purple, but he, he's way more intricate than of course, uh, Merlot is an actual character with, with lines and a personality as opposed to this magician who doesn't say anything. So, all right, that's all there really is to say about that clip. Of course, Frylock, he goes and gets BillyWitchDoctor.com. So after that, we get an establishing shot. It is now nighttime and we're inside the Aqua Teen's house. The lights are off and we are in the living room with BillyWitchDoctor.com, Meatwad, Carl's here and Frylock. And essentially what we have now is Carrie Means talking to three Dave Willis's. Dave Willis doing a lot of work on this episode, not just with Billy Witch Doctor and of course Meet Watt and Carl, but all of those video game voices too. Dave Willis uh, really going the extra mile on this episode. But before we carry on with that, something I forgot to mention and that I need to is that Frylock, this is kind of like a Frylock episode in a way because he is the one driving all of the action here. Without Frylock, Shake would have just killed himself. Showed up in Meatwad's game, that would have been it, right? But Frylock is the one orchestrating, you know, BillyWitchDoctor.com. He's the one trying to uh, put all this together. So I'll talk more about that at the end of the episode. But I did want to mention that here, that, you know, Frylock is very, very dominant in this episode, which I think is good and, again, shows that, uh, you know, he's probably the most important character of the show because without him, nothing would really happen <laughs> because the other characters are so dumb or just apathetic that, uh, that nothing would really be happening. So, again, we have Carl here, which is funny because, remember, Remember when uh, Frylock left the pool, you know, Carl's like, oh, you know, watch your back or whatever. He, he gives some sort of threat. And then now uh, he just comes over when invited and there's no threat or anything. Carl, I guess he forgot about how mad he was about the pool because he's playing along with this to an extent. I would love to see the conversation between Frylock and Carl to get him to come over here for the seance. But all right, again, it's BillyWitchDoctor.com. He also has a little fog machine behind him which we will get to later uh billywitchdoctor.com meet wad carl and frylock so why am i here well billywitchdoctor.com needs a minimum of four people to create a seance ring so he can bring shake back from the dead well, what we're bringing him back whoa, whoa, whoa. is that what we're doing here uh-uh my ass was i ain't been hit all day i kind of like it so both Carl and Meatwad against bringing Shake back. You would think that Carl would want Shake to come back so that he could punish him for what he did to his pool and his car, but Carl's against it. Meatwad definitely against it, as we would suspect, because like he said, he hasn't been abused all day because Shake is dead now, so Meatwad's living his best life at this point, and, and Frylock is kind of trying to take that away from him. 
But okay, we've amassed the four people for the seance ring to bring Shake back. Let's continue on and let's see how this whole process works. Please, please, all together, hold hands. No, 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 <laughs> no, sir. I don't know what kind of vibe you think you got off me, but uh, I don't play that way. I'm not that way. Man, I don't uh, do both sides of the field, uh, offense and defense, you know, with the short shorts. No. Carl, it's just a seance. It's not that way. Come on, will you? Now, please, kiss him deep with tongue. Do what? <laughs> just kid. Just kid, dirty boy. Touch hands. You're bored for me, Meatwad, will you settle down? This is serious. Okay. I forgot to mention that's Meatwad busting out a Polaroid camera and taking a picture of Frylock and Carl holding hands. And of course, you know, Frylock's hands, they are fries, but but the point remains. And I like Meatwad's little camera here. It's a cool kind of purple pastel color. But that clip was just insane because we have, you know, the funny moments from Carl. He thinks just because he has to hold hands with these guys that that means that he's gay. But BillyWitchDoctor.com, you know, for what you would expect to be such a straightforward and just racist character or whatever, he's actually really funny. He's very playful. Almost everything that comes out of his mouth is gold. He's actually not acting particularly professional because uh, he's, you know, just kind of uh, toying around with these guys in a way that you wouldn't expect. And we will continue that into our next clip here. So the three guys here, you know, Carl, Frylock, Meatwad are holding hands for this, well, what is supposed to be a seance. And BillyWitchDoctor.com, he's he's just going to continue to fuck with them. He's going to have them read from these sheets, which are, I guess, just like cue cards. One says, I am. The next says, Sofa King. And then the third says, We, Todd, Ed. So you get the idea. This is just has always been one of my favorite Aqua Teen moments. Let's jump in. Please read from sheets. I am. I am. Sofa King. Sofa King. We Todd Ed. We Todd Ed. Now repeat all very fast, please. I am Sofa King. Faster. I am Sofa King. We Todd No, no, not so fast. Loses meaning. I am Sofa King. We Todd You say funny thing. Arise. Uh, Billy, I'm not an expert, but don't you need like a piece of his body or an article of his clothing or an eyelash? No. Yes. Yes. Go get it. Me, intern. I don't know what you're doing. Do you, uh, do you do birthdays or? Get with me after this. Man, BillyWitchDoctor.com is just one of my favorite characters on this show. He is so funny. I like the way he plays around with these guys so much. I mean, you, you get what he's trying to get them to say or what he does get them to say. And as a kid... I loved that, like, just the fact that they were saying it, but now as an adult, of course, that's still funny to me, but it's more so Billy's delight in it, like, the, just him kind of directing things and just his reaction to it is really just the, the cherry on top. It's just so great. And again, you just, you wouldn't expect this character to in and of himself actually be funny and have really funny lines and, and get them to do these funny things. So to explain the cue card thing on the commentary track, Dave Willis said that Matt Malero basically pulled this prank on him at some point and uh, he made Dave do it in the office. And then Dave made a joke that he made his mom do it too and he, he filmed her while she did it. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I suppose it could be, but I, I kind of get the feeling he was just joking around with that part of it. But um, again, to the whole Sofa King 
part of, of this episode. That, of course, was sampled in the Danger Doom track, Sofa King. So at some point, we'll talk about that album, uh, probably over on the Patreon. But yeah, I don't want to get into that here. But yeah, of course, you know, it, it's sampled there. And and I, I think I've told this story before of my buddy Yusuf at work. He would play music all the time. And he was playing some songs from that Danger Doom album, and I had never heard it before. So I'm just working, and then I hear th- these Aqua Teen clips start playing. I'm like, wait, what's going on here? And uh, yeah, uh, really, really cool to hear that when you least expect it. The last thing I want to say about the cue cards here is, I think they said it in the commentary, but I also feel the same way, that I am just shocked that this made it onto the episode, that standards and practices didn't flag this and make them change it. It's very crazy, and, and again, just really shows the shift from early Aqua Teen, like season one stuff, to now into 2004 and season three, how much more they're able to get away with. But okay, so after the cue card part, then just out of nowhere, Billy goes into Arise! Like, he, he just <laughs> just proclaims it, and then uh, Frylock, of course, points out, don't, don't we need some of his stuff? And BillyWitchDoctor.com is like, oh, uh, sure, yeah. And then he, he explains how he's an intern, you know, he's, he's new, and Meatwad is very supportive. Uh, the opposite of Carl, a visual thing is, he will kind of, you know, smack his face, like, oh, God, you know, that animation that Carl does, where he's like, oh, what am I doing here? Uh, something I want to point out visually is that Meatwad, he is holding hands with Carl, but the staging of the characters basically has Meatwad's arm going backwards, like almost behind him, it looks like, to hold Carl's hand. It's very strange if you actually stop and think about it, but always a good time when you see Meatwad and Carl holding hands. (laughs) It's very funny. Really thinking about it, I think that something that I love about BillyWitchDoctor.com is the use of the timing, specifically the silence. With this character, we're getting these long stretches of silence similar to Space Ghost and and similar to some other Aqua Teen villains that we haven't really seen in a while where silence was really a part of the humor. Uh, Particularly, you know, this is a Space Ghost thing where they'd have up to three, five seconds of silence all at once, which most shows do not do. And it's refreshing to get that from this character. Of course, he's played by Dave Willis uh, and written by Matt and Dave, but Dave, of course, you know, wrote and worked on Space Ghost. So uh, that really makes sense where it's coming from, and it's just really refreshing, and I think adds so much to this character, just the the use of the awkward silence, which lots of uh, media outside of, of this whole William Street world does not really make effective use of. But okay, let's jump back into our clips now. So Frylock, he's going to return. Remember, uh, Billy and and Meatwad were kind of talking about, you know, oh, get get with me after this. I'll see if I can do your birthday party. Frylock is going to return with Shake's straw. And again, back to Super Birthday Snake, this, you know, destroyed straw asset is from that episode when Frylock explodes Nathan Scott Phillips. So really cool to see them borrowing from that episode here. Okay. That crazy hat for chicken. <laughs> yeah, uh, hey Billy, you do remember that we're not doing a chicken? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> chicken, no rice. No rice, chicken. No rice. Billy looking up, everyone looking up. Rice, chicken. <laughs> Everybody do it. Rice. Okay. My bad. Again, to the awkward silences, uh, all the characters just looking up, expecting something to happen. I love Meatwad starts to chime in. He's trying to get the ball rolling here. Something funny visually is that Frylock, of course, he floats. He's looking around. Meatwad, he's blinking, kind of looking around. 
Carl is pretty static. You know, his model is much different from the Aqua Teens, like how, how it moves and how it looks. So he's literally just like a static image, just standing there holding both of their hands. And I can't believe this, you know, especially after what happened to his pool, how Frylock just left. I'm not buying that Carl would actually be staying here dealing with this shit, holding their hands the entire time. Uh, of course, we'll get some more complaints from Carl later on, but very funny here. But of course, you know, I'm not really complaining. I love these scenes so much. I love how incompetent Billy is revealing himself to be. Like, he keeps fucking things up. He doesn't really know anything. And, and at the end of the clip, he's like, okay, my bad. You know, and, and again, with he keeps saying chicken. He didn't realize it wasn't a chicken. Uh, he didn't know that they needed an article of clothing. He just doesn't really know what's going on here. But he's an intern. I mean, uh, he's new. I guess we'll, we'll give, him, uh, give him a shot. So we are now going to go outside by Carl's pool also known as the the uh, murder scene because the pool is still filled with blood, the fish are still there, and they brought the fog machine out. So they will reference that, they will turn on the fog machine, similar kind of to cybernetic ghost, the way the, the screen fills up with fog. Let's see how this new change in location fares. Hopefully, they can get things going. Now, wait for fog machine. <laughs> Arras! 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 Arras, chicken! Arras! Arras, chicken! Arras, chicken! Whoa, wait. Stick upside down. Chicken! Arras! Oh, chicken, arras! Arras, chicken! Arras, chicken! Oh, chicken, arras! Move over here. Better reception. <laughs> so again, nothing's happening. And uh, BillyWitchDoctor.com is like, oh, let's just uh, go somewhere else. And ho hopefully this will work. I mean, you can kind of see where this is going. But uh, when he said wrong way, he's talking about his staff. Because he, he had the chicken head up. And then he he's like, oops, uh, wrong way. And he like smiles, turns it around and starts hitting, it, hitting the ground again. Of course, we have Meatwad playing along, which is so funny. Meatwad tends to do that in these situations. Where, you know, Frylock and Carl know that this is basically a load of shit, but Meatwad is like, oh, I'll give it a shot. Visually, something I found interesting was they brought Shake's straw outside, but this time it's notably much smaller than it was inside. And you could just, if you look at the size of this straw, it's just way too small now to be Shake's straw, which is funny. So to the smoke machine, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, the smoke effect was from a smoke machine that Matt bought from Sam's Club. And they filmed the smoke machine in Barry Mills's office. And he, he didn't know about this. He wasn't there at the time. He came back to his office and it was all, you know, smoky. And they, they were telling in the commentary how they were, were turning fans on to try and fix his office for him. And he was, like, obviously very angry about it. it but but non-verbally so. He didn't yell at them or anything, but you could just tell he was pissed off. And the guys all felt bad about it. Which is, yeah, kind of a dick move to uh, film this in his office. They, they keyed it out, I guess. And by that, I mean, I guess they did it in front of a green screen, and then that way they could, you know, cut out the green and just have that fog overlay. And I've had lots of experiences with smoke machines. Uh, my buddy Andy and I, we would do these raves in high school. We would throw them because uh, he had, like, the, the the lights. He was really into buying lasers. He still is. Uh, he, he had all these lasers and, like, a truss and everything like that for the lasers. And then I would do the music because my dad had all these giant-ass speakers and stuff. So we would throw these raves, and whenever I smell fog juice, I'm, I'm just brought back to that time. 
And because of that, I call bullshit on this episode because very quickly, the outside gets very foggy, which would not happen. I mean, even in a medium-sized room, that fog machine would not fill up the medium-sized room that quickly. In fact, it would take a long time to do so. Of course, if you had a fog machine outside, I don't think it would really do anything. Of course, you would see the initial spurt of fog, but it would pretty quickly dissipate. I think you would need like a real professional uh, rig, not some, some tiny little fog machine like this. But yes, I've had my fair share of experiences with fog machines, and we would just, uh, in, in his garage, we would fill that fucker up with fog, and you couldn't even see two feet in front of you, but you definitely would see those lasers cutting through. It was a good time. But alright, uh, BillyWitchDoctor.com, he messed up. Uh, they're trying a new location. Maybe there will be better signal here or something. We are now in front of the house. Again, it's nighttime outside. We are in front of the house. And uh, we're going to try this ritual once again. However, Frylock, he's going to quickly see this is going nowhere. He has very low tolerance for this. In a shocking move, he's going to kill BillyWitchDoctor.com. We're just going to see a fireball come up and kill Billy Witch Doctor, which, you know, came from Frylock, leaving just Billy's shoes and his staff. And yeah, just shocked that uh, just because somebody is incompetent and annoying, Frylock felt it was fitting to kill him. But hey... That's what happens. Arras! Arras! Arras, chicken! Arras, chicken! <laughs> Arras! 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 Chicken! Arras, chicken! <laughs> so, uh... Can we stop holding hands in fairyland here? <laughs> and it's going to permanently smell like a burger. Hang, hang on, Carl. Just give me a sec. So, Carl, he's being a really, really good sport about this. I cannot believe he is moving to all these different spots. He's holding their hands the entire time. Very shocking here. But Carl, uh, I guess ultimately he is a good friend and he wants Shake to come back. So, again, Frylock kills poor BillyWitchDoctor.com, one of my favorite characters on the show. R.I.P. to the king. He is gone now. Frylock is going to pick up Billy's staff because, again, Billy was exploded, but his shoes and staff remain. Frylock is going to pick up the staff and try and do the ritual himself to get Shake to somehow come back. And then in a great twist and callback at the end, you know, of course, we had earlier the callback to the baby showing up. Well, now none other than Ultra Mega Chicken is going to show up. Turns out he's not legend after all. Uh, we just see, you know, the characters look up and then a giant chicken foot comes down like a gargantuan one. It crushes Carl. Carl's arm is flailing. He's still underneath the chicken foot, uh, seemingly alive. There is a pool of blood that, that grows bigger throughout this final clip. And then the last little thing at the end is Meatwad. He's like, oh, should I let go of this? And he is holding Carl's hand, but it has been, like, cut off from the arm. So Meatwad's just holding a severed hand in his own hand, giving us a great unexpected end to this episode. Uh, Shake, <clears throat> uh, if you can hear me, uh, arise. And the smell does not come off, Fryman. Arise! I gotta wait for the skin on his hand to die. <laughs> arise! Uh, no, no, no! <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell is that? I think that's Ultra Mega Chicken. Okay. We're trying to let go of the sound now. <laughs> so that is the end of the episode. We go, in, of course, into our normal end credits. There's no new theme song this time around, unlike Super Birthday Snake. But to describe Ultra Mega Chicken, it's just a giant chicken, but he's wearing like some sort of necklace thing. He has ram horns and also a jet engine on his backside, kind of like what they put on the kidney car. You know, Matt and Dave seem to love this kind of thing. They love throwing it onto 
places where it shouldn't belong. So it has like a jet engine there. Uh, it has fangs. It has teeth. It looks very menacing. So a great end to the episode. Of course, this begs the question, did Ultra Mega Chicken come because of everything they did up until this point? Or did it come solely because of what Frylock just did? Like, did Frylock just summon Ultra Mega Chicken? Or was it a long time in the making? Who knows? But that is a great end to this episode. That the Aqua Teens, they have failed in bringing Shake back. So... According to this episode, Shake is just dead forever now, but they summoned this demon chicken that you would assume is going to destroy the Earth, but who knows. But alright, that's the end of the episode. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, see you later. No, I'm just kidding. We, Of course, uh, before I give you my thoughts on this one as a whole, let's go through and see what people were saying the day that this episode aired on April 25th, 2004. I am reading from the AnimeSuperhero.com forums, which back in the day was called the Toon Zone forums. Check the link in the show notes if you want to look through these yourself. The general vibe here was that people liked this one, but they weren't crazy about it. And that's surprising to me. I thought this was like a stone cold classic. But something that was discussed was, of course, the new opening. Now, again, we didn't discuss that on the podcast today, but... People were surprised to see the new opening of Space Kataz. Now, people knew that Space Kataz was in the works, that they were working on this pilot of the Moon Knights versus the Plutonians. But then there was some confusion because it's like, all right, this is an opening to the episode now. I thought this was a pilot. But then user IWDP Lim comes in and talks about how he read over on Aqua Teen Central that the Space Kataz pilot was going to be cut up and used as openings here. So he kind of cleared up some confusion. And people were upset because people like Dr. Weird. Um, and yeah, obviously going forward, we'll have to monitor the reaction to that. Although I could suspect it won't be incredibly positive because Dr. Weird is fantastic. But uh, yeah, shout out to Aqua Teen Central, of course, was uh, founded by John J. Galbo, friend of the podcast here, was the biggest and best Aqua Teen fan site back in the day. I'm noticing, by the way, and I think this is still the case, that a lot of people are saying Space Catraz, like Alcatraz. Uh, people are saying Space Catraz, which is obviously not the name. Let me read you a comment by our buddy, The Landstander, here. He titled this post, Sofa King, and he says, It started off hilarious, then went to just funny, and kind of slowed down towards the end. The ending was only okay, and saved by Meatwad's one-liner. Overall, it was probably par for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. So Landstander, not really digging this one too much. And there are some people that agree with him that the Billy Witch Doctor part dragged on too long and that they didn't like, you know, how repetitive it was. And I get that. Like, if it doesn't work for you, then it's just going to be a waste of time. It worked for me, obviously, because it made me laugh the whole time. But I, I get where these guys are coming from. Otherwise, I'm not really going to read any other comments. There's just a lot of discussion on, uh, of course... Would the piranhas have survived this like we talked about earlier in the podcast episode? I didn't read this ahead of time, so it's funny to see, you know, people uh, almost 20 years ago having the same conversation that uh, is on a topic that I've been thinking about. So, okay, let's move on to my thoughts on this one. I think this one holds up. This one was very good. In fact, I think this was like kind of a peak Aqua Teen episode. Now... A one criticism here would be the lack of shake. Now, he he plays a pivotal role, right? The whole episode is about trying to bring him back. And when he is around, he does provide great moments. Like, I kind of like that, that he wasn't in the episode that much, but the screen time he did get was just perfect. It's exactly what I want from shake. And then he went away and the other characters had to kind of deal with the mess that he made. So if you're a big shake head, then I could see you might not like this one as much. But again, he drives the whole point of the episode. 
And then to that, like I was saying earlier, it's kind of a Frylock episode in a way because Frylock is the one having to deal with everything here, which I found kind of refreshing. I, I really enjoyed that. And, you know, similar to Super Birthday Snake and that it's, you know, kind of a Frylock-centric one. Of course, this one, not as much. But not only do we have great Frylock moments here uh, where he just kills BillyWitchDoctor.com, but uh, again, just Frylock is all over this thing. But we have great Meatwad moments. I love seeing Meatwad play his video games and he has some funny moments like taking pictures of, of Frylock and Carl holding hands and, and playing along with BillyWitchDoctor.com. But we get some great Carl moments too. I love the screen time that Carl gets here. And then our, you know, guest character, BillyWitchDoctor.com. I loved him so much. I, I wish we could see him more. I just love how playful he is, how silly he is, and also very incompetent. There, there's some great humor there, too. He's more focused on making the guys say funny things than actually knowing how to do his job of, of bringing back chickens or whatever it is that he does. And if we could talk about him really quickly, his name is BillyWitchDoctor.com. That's what he says. But then he says he's an intern. So that makes me wonder, are there other BillyWitchDoctor.coms? Like, this guy can't be the OG because he's just an intern. If this was his own company, then he wouldn't be an intern. He would be like a CEO or whatever. So, uh, you know, there's uh, a little bit of discussion to be had there. Some pondering to do on who exactly is this character and what is the bigger organization overall that he is working for. I always love when Aqua Teen episodes have that kind of uh, deeper lore that there's this whole company of BillyWitchDoctor.com of of these shaman raising chickens all over the world. Of course, I love the video game elements here. It's always a treat when we see those because, again, like I said, with our in-universe television shows and our in-universe music with, like, the MCP Pants songs, I love these in-universe video games because they're always so funny. They're always so dumb and silly. You know, any other show, the character would just be playing some generic fighting game or something. But in Aqua Teen, the video game itself is just a great joke. And with Insult Master, it went on to become a real video game, which unfortunately you can't play anymore. But uh, again, if you know anything about that, please let me know. And speaking of MCP Pants music, this is actually the last episode that MC Chris would be a production assistant on. After this, he he leaves William Street and he goes to start his rap career because of the success of his involvement in things like Aqua Team, but also his, his rap music outside of this was starting to blow up and he, he took the plunge and it seems to have paid off. You know, he, he, had, he has had a, a very long career rapping and uh, of course last year he went on his, his tour and everything, so he's still kicking it in, with his rap music. So ultimately a good decision, but sad to see him go I think, you know, very funny guy, and, and I'd love to uh, talk to him at some point soon. Of course, we still have Little Brittle to talk about, but after that, I will be reaching out to MC Chris to get him back on the podcast, which he seemed receptive about, because I really want to talk to him about uh, his time voicing on the show, but also his work as a production assistant. I don't know a lot about it. You know, Jay Edwards, he, he kind of mentioned some of the stuff that Chris did, but I really want to dive in with Chris and, and learn more about his time on the show. So, sad to see MC Chris go, but again, he went on to have... A very impactful rap career so you know it's not like he uh, just threw, threw his time here away he went on to do some very great things outside of animation so the last thing i want to say about this one is it's actually a very dark episode there's a lot of you know really sinister shit going on here we have the whole talking to ghosts aspect which they seem to be real ghosts because shake shows up in the game which means like that guy his sister and the baby all got killed at some point you have to wonder what the story behind that is 
And relating to that, you know, Shake commits suicide in this episode. He tries to hang himself. Frylock stops him. Then he kills himself in this incredibly brutal way. And then the rest of the episode is Frylock trying to bring his friend back to life and ultimately is unsuccessful in doing so. So a very nihilistic, dark episode, but it is not presented that way at all. Uh, inversely, we had Super Birthday Snake opening season two, and that was a dark episode. You know, we had moments of sadness, and of course, then they turn it around. But then uh, you have Frylock being haunted by the people he killed. That's not the case here. It, you know, this one has to do with death. It's kind of dark, but it is not presented that way in, in a really cool and interesting way. Of course, you're just laughing the whole time, which isn't the case when a lot of comedy shows do dark things like this. I don't know, I just think this is such a special episode, but the biggest thing, the most important thing here is the jokes, and this episode has no shortage of jokes, just all of the BillyWitchDoctor.com stuff, every aspect of that character is great. We have, again, you know, I've said it a thousand times, the video game elements, all the one-liners here, like Shake, you know, bury me with my things because you know they're mine. I also like Shake saying that uh, Frylock always takes Meatwad's side because Frylock tries to stop Shake from killing himself. Meatwad with his, I don't think you heard me, I said no. And, uh, spirits, what was we talking about? Carl going on his monologue about not wanting to hold hands with the guys. Again, Meatwad taking a picture of them holding hands. And Frylock just blowing up Billy Witch Doctor at the end. And then just that end, with, with the Ultra Mega Chicken being summoned, it just raises so many more questions. Like, wait, did BillyWitchDoctor.com actually kind of know something? What's going on here? Just so much going on in this episode. I don't think there's a dull moment. I would understand why somebody might not like the Billy Witch Doctor parts because after the cue card section, it gets very repetitive, but for me in a way that just gets funnier and funnier. And the characters acknowledge that Billy Witch Doctor is a fucking moron. They end up killing him. Although again, you know, maybe he knew more than we thought he did. But just so much going on this one. It's such a packed episode. Like, I feel like they could have had two or maybe even three episodes out of this one of, of ideas, but they packed it all into one. Because of that, I got to give this one five fog machines out of five. It's just it's just a classic episode. One of my favorite episodes of Aqua Teen. Like I said, I always wanted the, the volume four disc, which was the third season, uh, because it had this episode specifically on it. I didn't really know as much of the other ones, but this episode is a very special episode, I think, and I just love it. I always will. So those are my thoughts. Let me know yours. Feel free to reach out, you know, social media, email, whatever. Of course, don't forget, you could leave a voice message too. Uh, link to that in the show notes. So thank you so much for listening, for hanging out with me, talking teens with me. Thank you to all the Moon Masters who support this podcast, who keep this thing chugging along. And a special shout out to our number one in the Hood G tier patrons. We got Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Brian, Robison, and Reverend Raven 46. You guys can hire me for your birthday party any day of the week. I'll see you next week when we dive into season three, episode two unremarkable voyage until then take it easy keep it cool and stay the heck off video ouija trust me you don't want to hear about that guy's sister's baby nobody does see you later bye bye <laughs> you say funny thing. <laughs> A rush!